Stephen A. Smith, what's up, you bona fide scrub? How are I you, man? I think you're wrong because LeBron is the best player. Stop to ever right there. Stop the right game. there. Stop right there. Don't you ever call up to my show again and open up disrespecting me. You don't have a right to do that. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have a right to do that. Mind your damn manners. Regardless of what you think about me, you still called up to my show. So you will address me as Stephen A. or Mr. Smith. You won't call me a bona fide scrub and then continue to talk on my damn show. Do we understand one another? Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is ZST, Zoom Sports Talk, the zestiest podcast out there with the hottest takes in all sports. We're your host, Carter Rigian. Frankie. Reed. And Jake Brusick. And we've got a lot of stuff to unpack today. Last episode, we talked about how the Super League could possibly change European football forever just to find out the next day that it is canceled. Well, canceled, not really canceled. There's still three teams involved in it, Real Madrid, Juventus, and Barcelona, um, which is going to be interesting in the coming days considering Real Madrid takes on Chelsea in the Champions League semifinals and UEFA's brought up banning them from competition. So I want to hear what you guys think about how you guys saw the football world unite together to tear down this money-hungry league. I mean, I think that the first thing, like, just to point out was that, I don't know, I just thought it was really funny how, like, this kind of came into into fruition, like, one day, and then by the next day at noon, you saw, like, all of the biggest, like, clubs, as mostly in England first, back, kind of back out of this thing. And, I don't know, I think it was just really good to see because – I feel like a lot of like the greedy owners like in the world uh, like thought they could take advantage of like the power of the people and think that, oh yeah, like regardless, even uh, like the person who created the Super League, like the chairman for Real Madrid, like he still like said after all this backlash that it was going to go through and like the continued like backlash from everybody against the Super League, like, I don't know. It was just really good to see because it proves, like, that time and time again, like, the fans of this sport are honestly, like, more passionate than any other sport globally. So it was just good to see. I mean, three teams left in Barca, Madrid, and Juve, from what I remember. And, I mean, you'd obviously expect Madrid to be the last man standing, and they kind of would take Barca with them because who's Barca going to play against? I mean, Atletico might win the league, but... Um, That's a tight race down there. Yeah, Barca and Barca and Juve are kind of doing their own thing always together, and then Ronaldo and Juve, who realistically are like on the verge of not even making the Champions League, which is kind of crazy. So, I mean, yeah, you know, clearly, like, not, clearly not gonna have a three-man league. So. so yeah, like Frankie said last week, football is nothing without the fans, and it was crazy to see how they rallied together. And Frankie, uh, United was one of the holding out a little longer than you know Chelsea and City, but. Uh, what are your opinions on the uh, Super League being dismantled? Um, I'm pretty relieved. Uh, yeah, United was one of the later teams, but Ed Woodward out now. Um, they just need the Glazers out, but it really just showed how the fa- what the fans can accomplish when they come together, and it's pretty unique and interesting to see fans from clubs like come together, even though the clubs hate each other. Um, you you saw like City fans and United fans come together for. Um, like one purpose, one goal. So that was pretty interesting. Um, but it, it was just like disappointing to see the uh, how the owners reacted in such a cash, such a cash, because it's such a cash grab. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're all glad that it's not going to be a thing, and we're all excited. It was it was very unique. It was probably a once in a lifetime thing to see the football world come together like that. And there's certainly one thing, one good thing that has came out of all this. It was the memes, the Tottenham slander, the Arsenal slander. It was the memes during those days were amazing. I think you guys could agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I would 100 percent agree with that. I mean, speaking of Tottenham, like you talk about. I mean, they get they they got the memes made about them, but also like they literally fired their manager a week before like a cup final as like a scapegoat for him supposedly not letting players on the training ground after that he heard about the proposed super league. Which big respect to Jose Mourinho, but um, I mean that's the other thing. I think that the one thing that definitely worried me about this whole thing is that while. I now it made me now realize a lot of the power of like decision making, like big things like this, is in the power of the fans and like the backlash from the fans because it's so much about money for the owners. That like, like realistically, like coaches or players, like, like it showed like they could not speak up against this or like their jobs would be yeah, at risk. Yeah. And they so, were gonna, they were going to get hurt from that, not be able to play internationally and other things, other punishments. Yeah, no, exactly. And they couldn't say anything, so. I mean, look, I, at the end of the day, like, it makes you realize that this is probably the case for a lot of major sports because, like, ownership is such a, like, big integral part of everything. And at the end of the day, there are so many guys competing for that spot that, like, everybody to some extent is, like, somewhat expendable. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like once you kind of once you kind of realize that, um, like, it really makes you realize that, like, it was it was in our hands to, like, make stuff change. And I'm, I'm glad that – things did so hey the fans did and let's hope we never have to talk about this damn league again and it never comes up again so moving on from that let's move into the nba we kind of we kind of left out the nba last week i know we mentioned it in some of our hot takes a little bit but uh nba season it's been a it's been a uniqueish season you know first season post bubble um i just want to know uh what are you guys is uh who are you guys mvp so far we we know frankie's from last week but carter who's yours i mean it's got to be my guy Curry. I saw I, I saw something today. I don't know if you guys saw this too, um, but it was a poll. Like uh, they pulled people from every state as to who they thought the MVP favorite was, and the other people like it's like people like Embiid and Giannis and like Lillard with everyone within the top five. The only states they won were like the states in which they like actually play, and then um, like Jokic and Curry were like the vast majority of the states and. While I think Jokic is having, like, an absolutely insane season, I think he has enough of a supporting cast or had before Jamal Murray got hurt that, like, I think Curry's doing is way more impressive. Like, I mean, we talked about that game versus the Celtics last week, but, like, this dude is just taking ridiculous shots. He doesn't stop. Like, he doesn't stop. He just stays hot. I mean, and I'm arguably, like, we talk about, like, Kobe's, Kobe's run where he averaged, like, over 50, like, over the course of, like, four games. Um, but in my opinion, averaging 40 across 11 games is if just as, if not more impressive than what Kobe did. They also talk about MJ, like MJ's streak. And MJ only did that for like six games. Like Curry has been on like an absolute tear. And um, not only does he ha- not have like an amazing team around him, like he's doing it by himself for the most part. Like uh, this is like the crazy, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I didn't used to have like as much respect for Curry because he had so many guys around him and he was like, oh, I just pulling up shots and get some open looks. But now it's just like he's literally doing it with people like inches in his face. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty- not even just one person, two people. You're talking about most valuable player. I don't know if the, I don't know if the Warriors would be able to like 
mean, whenever he was like not playing, like the Warriors were genuinely like terrible. They were like god awful. They lost by like what? It was by like sixty that one game. Like they need Curry to to survive. I mean, given they've played, like they've relied on him for years, but he's definitely like the most valuable player in my opinion. So I mean, I'm only saying this too because LeBron's not playing. But. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to agree with both you guys. And just he's so inspirational, man. Look at him. Look at him. Flight is just flight. Flight warned us, man. Flight warned us. Um, I mean, you you said it perfectly. The Warriors are nothing without Curry anymore. Um, at least with the hurt Clay Thompson and you know Draymond not being at his best. Um, it's it's hard to argue not giving it that MVP, but hey, you never know with the media, they might not want to give it to him. But let's see. Um, Frank, you got anything to add on about Curry hopefully winning the MVP this year? Um, not much. I mean, I said it all last week. He's the most valuable player to his team in the NBA. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind. Um, Chef Steph, look at Curry, man. Come on. So do you Come think on. do you guys think that Curry's run will be enough to get them into the NBA playoffs? And who are some other teams that are right there on the verge? And what do, what do we think the NBA playoffs is going to look like this year? I think I think it will be. Um, I think the Warriors sneak into the playoffs, and I wouldn't put it past them to make a little a little run into the playoffs too. Um, uh, led by Curry, um, I think. I mean, I I kind of have some. It's uh, the West is just so open right now. That I think. is true. Um, I mean, it's really hard to bet against the Spurs, even though the Spurs aren't playing their best ball. I mean, Pop is such a good coach. Um, so you can't really bet against them. And um, the Blazers behind Dame. I mean, Flight calls Dame Curry's son, but Dame is, is such a good player, and he's, he's so clutch. He really steps up in playoff uh, situations. So I got the Blazers, Blazers making it, the Warriors making it, and the Spurs making it. I, I don't got the Grizzlies in, though. Ooh. And yeah. that's, that's very interesting. I think that, um, like, obviously, like, we knew, have a new playoff format this year in the sense where, like, teams will have to play in for, like, that last spot. going to be interesting. Um, it's like the, what is it? This, the seven, like a wild card type of thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like a, yeah, exactly. It's like a wild card type deal. And I know like two teams have to play, and there's one the team that loses has to beat the winner of like the nine ten. So, um, basically, like, you tournament in the NBA now. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd, but it's like a one game thing. So, I really like the Spurs in that, but I do think that the Warriors also sneak in. Realistically, what I think it's going to be is I think it's going to be the Blazers and the Warriors. Like I just feel like the Blazers like around Dame. Like I I know we talk about. Damian Lillard, like, I know you guys have definitely seen that graphic of how, like, Westbrook is actually the most clutch shooter in the league. But aside from just, like, t- shots in clutch time, like, he hits big shots in, like, big moments. Like, yeah. there's, like in my in my opinion, there's, like, clutch moments and there's just, like, game winner, big it's time moments. moments. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, like, does it on a scale where, like – just by the eye test alone, like we would know if anybody was hitting as many like game winners or like really, really clutch shots as he was. So I don't know, but also like, you got to keep in mind the Warriors are like 500 right now and Curry's been out a little bit and now they're kind of getting on a roll, getting him going and everybody's going to have an off game somewhere. But like, I don't know. At the end of the day, Steve Kerr's still a good coach. Um, they got a solid group of guys still, even without class. So I don't yeah. know. 
it should be an interesting little finish and uh, an interesting going to be very interested to see how it, uh, this new format works out for them. I'm sure a lot of people are going to hate it. I'm sure some are going to love it. So, uh, you know, I can really care less about any of those other teams. I'm just going to go ahead and predict it now. I'm, I'm calling a Lakers Bucks final, which, you know, by any means isn't crazy, but I think the Bucks are finally going to break through and get, uh, get that, make it all the way. And I think the Lakers are still going to repeat, man. I know it's been rough with LeBron and AD out, but AD's back now and LeBron's getting close too. So, that's my yeah. that's my uh, finals prediction. How about you guys? Um, finals. Oh god, I I, I want to say I'm gonna say I'm gonna be generic and say Nets Lakers. Give the people what they want. The fans want to see that. I think it'd be an amazing series. I think it'd be a seven game series. I'm also, I'd be kind of excited to watch a Celtics Knicks first round playoff series. There's Knicks a good chance too. they're four and five. Yeah, Knicks are playing phenomenal. Um, but I got to go to Nets-Lakers. If the Nets stay 100% healthy as well as the Lakers, no one in the East is beating the Nets in a seven-game series, in my opinion. I think their chem might tear them apart. I'm not sure, but that's just my that's opinion. That's true. They, they've only played seven games. Uh, their big threes only played seven games together this Katie's whole year. So. Yeah, I saw, so. yeah, he is. The Slim Reaper. Carter, finals prediction? Yeah. I mean, it's clearly a tough one. I mean, the playoffs, the playoff race in the East in general is just kind of crazy. Um, I mean, like, LaMelo coming back. I really want to see the Hornets make the playoffs just so I can get that LaMelo dunk on KD in the first round. Um, oh, like, the, annou- the, announcer, the announcer goes insane. But in all seriousness, I think that, um, I don't know, you look at, like, all, oh, like, people are sleeping on the 76ers, but, like, do you really think that the 76ers have what it takes to, like, win, like, in the playoffs? I mean, we've seen great seasons from, like, all these guys. We've seen, like – I think that people are like saying like, oh, Embiid's having a great year, but I feel like it's offset by like the average scoring year that Ben Simmons is having and like the okay year. Like Tobias Harris is actually playing pretty well, but like Ben Simmons, like in the playoffs, like he's a great defensive player, but like do I really think he's gonna be able to guard Kyrie, Harden, and like like KD, like that, like that, like basically that backcourt is just it it, is it's like tough. It's so deep that like I don't know. I think it's also gonna be Lakers Lakers Nets final. Like as much as I would not like one. The only reason I differentiate is to not pick the Lakers. But like, um, you think the Nets? I, are- I see. I see a Lakers Lakers Suns Western Conference final. I love CP. So, um, and the, literally the Suns are like playing so well this year. So, I mean, that's my Western Conference final. But I don't know. I really want to see the Lakers beat the Nets because I want. I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of a statement. Like, if LeBron wins this, like, I don't know. I've kind of been a big. I'm already, 36. I've already been a big LeBron supporter, but like, whenever you have like the team that they have constructed with like, for the like two past MVPs and like, um, Kyrie, who's like basically in his prime still, like he's like been going off recently. Like, if LeBron can manage to beat that team, LeBron they- AD. Can- I think that what the Lakers really need is for their depth to shine. Like they need to tire out the net starters and really get stuff going with their bench. Like that's the only way they're going to win. Um, but then the day, like what really helps the Lakers out is that funny enough, even without LeBron, like, and AD, they've been like one of the best defensive teams in the league. Oh, they got and, Caruso. What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, they, they do. Really Caruso, fam. Come on. 
But, like, what I'm saying is the defense is what always wins championships at the end of the day. Maybe not always, but, I mean, in the playoffs, playoff intensity defense is really important. And whenever the Lakers have been doing that type of defense all season, like, it really makes you wonder how are the, how are the Nets, who are so scoring-centric, going to get by this really good Lakers defense with two their two best defensive players out right now. So, I got – I don't know. I got Lakers Lakers and six. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to wait a few more months to uh, see who is right and who is wrong. But speaking of playoff intensity and, you know, a big factor of playoff intensity is fan, uh, fan intensity. And we saw a UFC fight at full capacity last night. And we're not going to get into all the fights and break them all down or anything. But did you guys see that dude's leg get snapped? Yes, I did. It was, it was kind of hard to watch, and they kept showing the replay too, which was uh, a little bit a little bit gruesome. But I get I get that's the sport. But um, prayers just go up to him and his family. Um, he didn't even know. He didn't see. even realize when he kicked him. Yeah, he didn't realize. Um, and it was the first first kick, first punch, first anything. Uh, it was about like what fifteen seconds into the fight. So scary to see. The duty kick has to have steel legs in order for your leg to snap like that. Like that was. Have you seen the clip, Carter? I have seen the clip. I, I genuinely wish I had not seen it because <laughs> I was I was so shocked how that happens. Like I feel like t- just kicks in general will happen all the time, and just for stuff to land like that perfectly, I mean, snap it! Like that was yeah. Kevin Ware bad. Yeah, I, I mean Kevin Ware was that, but Kevin Ware, Kevin Ware was really bad. Like, like that was probably one of like that was. I remember, like, not wanting to, like, look at the injury replay. Like, when I saw it, like, I was just like, oh, oh my God. It was God. terrifying. Like, it, was, it was horrible. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that, like, the UFC the UFC scene, like, that's the type of stuff that's, like, susceptible to happen. Like, at the end of the day, like, you really – it really makes you appreciate, like, how good of a job, like, the refs in UFC actually do. Um, because like they'll stop, like nobody ever will complain about a UFC, like actual like UFC ref stopping no. the fight at the wrong time. Like no. you never hear that. And the stuff like the fact that this happens, something like this, like it's just so like uh, out of character, and it's just because of it, it was a total like freak type of Complete type of thing. Accident. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the UFC especially like tries to mitigate that because they're have they have a live audience watching and they obviously like you don't see people fight, but like you don't want to see people have like gruesome injuries. No, I don't but, think anybody wanted to see that happen. Yeah, no, nobody That's wants it. to see that, but I don't know. I think in general, seeing a, a big fan pack arena um for the Uzman Masvidal fight, especially like I mean at the end of the day, like regardless, that was that was a good fight. So yeah, yeah it wasn't we we can't we can't go talking about that that event without talking about the Nigerian nightmare. Oh my god. <laughs> He slumped Jorge Masvidal. Did you guys see the reaction? Did you guys see yeah. the reaction from the announcers? Oh yeah, Joe have, Rogan. Have, have y'all ever seen Joe Rogan? Crazy. Have you ever, have y'all ever seen Joe Rogan and Dana White in the same room? I've not. You you're telling me they're the not the same person? person? They Loki are. I'm not gonna they lie. Gotta be. They gotta be. Moving on from uh, UFC though to uh, someone who loves UFC fighters and someone who Dana White despises. Last week, we forgot to talk about this. Jake Paul beat the shit out of Ben Askren. Uh, first round knockout. It was <laughs> – some people think he threw the fight. Some people don't. Um, I'm just curious. We don't have to go in detail about that fight because it was probably Paul's worst fight so far, uh, entertainment-wise. He just kind of killed The Nate Robinson one was much more entertaining, in my opinion. Agreed. But 
who should Paul fight next? It's like, I don't know. I, I kind of just want to see him get slapped. I'm not going to lie. Like, I want to see him fight an actual boxer. Like, I don't know. Ben Askren, regardless, like, the politics behind that um, is obviously tough. But, like, at the end of the day, like, like older guys or, like, guys who are not in their fighting prime, no actual boxer is really going to step in the ring with Jake Paul just because it's, like, why would they do that if they're going to just have, like, an actual career? And anybody who's, like, a washed-up, like, fighter or, like, some celebrity, it's, like, they'd only do it for the money. So, it's, like, it's kind of really tough to find Jake Paul, like, a an opponent that would be, like, like, nobody who's, like, a semi-professional, like, he's a professional boxer technically, but, like, Nobody is a nobody else in this like entire planet basically besides like KSI is like a professional boxer that like is only doing it for like the like it's like it's so famous because of publicity. Like, well, hey, he was, did you not see he's gonna uh, be a free safety in the NFL after his next fight? Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. I saw him hanging out with AB last night at the UFC UFC fight. I mean, you know who I want to see him fight? Yeah, I think it would be a pretty good fight. I want to see him fight Tyson Fury's little brother, Tommy Fury. Oh yeah, Tommy Fury. That's what I was gonna say. However, the out. Gypsy King, yeah, they've been. Uh, I think they're in some contract talks actually right now, so that'd be pretty interesting. I, w- I want to see him fight a uh, Ryan Garcia. Oh, oh my god. god, come on! The thing come is, Garcia is like so that. much smaller than him. Yeah, but I mean, Garcia like, would. Oh my god, Garcia would send that man to another dimension. I but, dude, the thing uh, is, we say that, but Garcia's like Nate Robinson size, like he's small. Come on, I mean, come I on. Know. I'm trying to see that Ryan Garcia tank. Uh, tank fight though so um but i'm gonna say i'm gonna switch this one up all right so we got we got ksi beat logan paul jake paul beat deji and gib we gotta we gotta see the end of this saga so you know i, I want to see, see that too i, I want to see i want to see that ksi jake paul fight i mean give the people what they want i think the fans want to see that fight um jake paul's been saying like oh like now that I fought like a UFC guy, I don't want to fight. Like I don't want to go back to. He doesn't want to drop much. back down. Yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, the fans want to see that. I think that'd be a great fight. I've also seen like Dylan Dennis, which is like Conor McGregor's yes man. Um, I've seen a lot of talks between him and Jake Paul too. So, but I mean, you can't scroll through Instagram without seeing Dylan Dennis talking shit about Jake yeah, Paul. Yeah, it's just impossible. Two, two trolls going at it. It's pretty funny, but I mean. Regardless, regardless if you're if you're a Jake Paul fan or not, I feel like, I mean, he he's done really well marketing wise. Like everyone, you respect him. what he's doing. Yeah, everyone hates him. I mean, he had the the whole UFC fight like chanting "fuck Jake Paul" last night. So I mean, it's like he's the villain. Tenth, tenth that like fall that fight against uh, Ben Askren was the tenth most bought pay per view fight of all time, which is pretty impressive considering Ben Askren's somewhat of a nobody. No offense. Um, but uh, he's just not really knocked out in five seconds. Yeah, he's he's bringing in the money. So, but yeah, I do want to see him fight a real boxer. I think everyone wants to see him fight. A real and I boxer. think he will. And I think sooner or later he will. But Dana White does want him to stay away from his UFC guys. So I don't know if the uh, whole Dylan Danis one will be a reality. But I guess we'll have to wait and find out. I mean, I agree. I think that at the end of the day, what you have to realize is that. Jake Paul is just never going to find – like, there's not going to be anybody like Jake Paul who's, like, an actual boxer. I mean, Dylan Dennis is, like, the closest thing. I think that um, he's, like, an actual fighter, kind of younger in his prime. Like, I don't know. He kind of, I feel like he definitely just kind of is in it for the money. But also, like, 
he definitely does not want to get slept by Jake Paul because he has no it's embarrassing. It would be and so embarrassing. He's in the height of his career, too. So I mean I think Dylan Dance would be like the best um opponent for him. Him or but, Fury, both of those would be good. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, though, like this guy Jake Paul has been training for a couple of years. He looks a lot better than he did at first. Oh yeah. Do I think do I think KSI yes, can beat him right now? No, but I do I think it could after some training. I mean, who knows what under, KSI's in? Never underestimate KSI, and I really don't think that Jake Paul's fought anybody who's like emotionally like so in it against him. That like, I, don't know, I feel like KSI could definitely like have the emotional edge. Clearly, yeah, I agree. I mean, KSI like hates Jake Paul like with a passion, and like Spies is the boss. Jake, Jake, yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I kind of counted KSI out um, against in the Logan Paul fight. Oh, 100%. I still so, think like, Logan won that fight, though. Interesting. Hot take. It is a bit I of a hot, a hot take. take. I think I the whole two-point deduction for hitting him in the back of the head was bullshit. Uh, he was going down. It was just unlucky, but I do think Logan deserved to win that fight. But if That's an interesting take. But It is a hot take. Yeah. Hey, you know what we and, do have to remember, though? These guys are all just social media stars in the long run. None of them are actually professional real boxers where they're dedicating their whole life. Will they be eventually? Hey, maybe. Jake's talked about it. Will he actually pull the trigger? But that leads us perfectly into our next segment, our Instagram inquiries. We have our first question coming from Jason Roa. Do I want to know what the most iconic number in sports is? I can take this one to start it off. Start it off. Um, Considering your sport, you don't wear a number. I'm curious to see what your answer is. Yes. I think – I really don't think you guys can argue with me on this one. 42, Jackie Robinson. I mean, I don't I don't really know what else I have to say. I mean, just saying that number alone is iconic. I mean, you're not even allowed to wear that number. They have a day where everyone in the MLB wears that number. I mean, it's, it's so iconic. There's a movie just called 42. Like, I mean – and I mean, also, don't forget Mariano Rivera donned the forty-two number, the best closer of all time. So I mean, the last person to hear it. Exactly, but you obviously um, connect that number with Jackie Robinson. I think that's the most iconic number in sports. Yeah, I also did have forty-two written down, but since uh, we need a little bit of a, uh, you know, we need another number or two. I'm gonna go with two. I think two. Especially in the baseball world with Jeter, Tommy Lasorda, rest in peace to him. There's so many legends with that number. That number's almost retired in every organization. I think two is it's not one and it's not 99. That's what matters to me. I hate one and I hate 99. If you wear that, the only person I was okay with wearing 99 was Manny Ramirez because he could do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. So, what about Gretzky? And Gretzky. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I'm talking baseball. So, um so yeah obviously 42 the most historic um but i would say if we're not gonna go 42 my pick would be two uh we see frankie's got something to say i think uh maybe not but let's see what carter's got what do you got carter uh i think that i'll speak you number two also i mean little fun fact for the fans number two statistically speaking is the most productive nfl draft pick like number one more hall of famers all NFL players, just fun fact. Um, so, but I mean, like, I don't know. We've kind of talked about baseball. We've talked about, um, we, we've talked football about, uh, yeah, we took off football a little bit. I mean, there's two ones I've been battling with in my head, and it's the number 23 because of 
the two greatest basketball players of all time. And also the whole brand around it. Yeah, I mean, literally, like you can't go into a basketball arena and see two teams play without there being two number 23s, like one on each team. Like every basketball team has number 23. But in the same vein, I think the number I'm actually going to say is probably just number 10. I feel like, yeah. I Going over across the pond, huh? Yeah, I think that, like, we still talk about, like, soccer being the world's game. I just feel like, I mean, clearly, like, in other sports besides soccer, the number 10 is just not, like, as uh, iconic. But I think that what makes it the most iconic number ever is that the number 10 on your team, like, in modern soccer is just basically always now for the most part, like the best guy on your team. Like it's the guy you look to your creator, the guy who is going to be your game winner. And that's why all the iconic moments, all like the iconic players that we think of, it's more than likely if you had to take a guess what number they were, it's probably number 10. So I don't know. I think that like, obviously 42 and two for their reasons are, amazing like it's very iconic numbers very good players in their sports um and same with 23 for for basketball you can look at a few guys and say hey um like that's like that's that dude like he's he's that guy yeah he's that guy but i think the number 10 makes it so special is that you can look at almost any team and be like he's their guy he's their number 10 so I, i think that's what i'm saying and there's some exceptions clearly like People like we said with 42, it's so iconic, you can't even wear it anymore. So. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I 100%, 100% agree with that. It's like 99 in the hockey league, but like I feel like 99 is just like that's just one guy. Yeah. So. A, lot of, uh, a lot of great sports members. Uh, Our next Instagram inquiry comes from my good buddy, Sean Holt. His question is, who's the tennis goat? And there's one simple answer. It is your mother, Tracy Austin, the youngest to ever win the U.S. Open. Three Grand Slam titles. She's the GOAT. She's the GOAT. So shout out your mom. Uh, we go over to the men's side. I got to roll with the Joker when it comes to tennis goats. Um, just nice little quick and easy. I don't really want to get into it too much, but I hope that answers your question, Sean. Uh, you two, you got your tennis goat answers? Roger. Oh, okay. Okay. Eight-time, eight-time Wimbledon champ. Come on. Come on. I yeah. think uh, I think him and Novak are pretty interchangeable. I mean, also tip my cap to to Jake for the greatest uh, your mom joke of all time. Thank you, thank you. In the podcast, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of funny because, like, realistically, like Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer are like three of the top five, if not top three of all time. I mean, I've never watched that much tennis, but I mean, I got to agree with Frankie. I got to say the Raja as well. Okay. So, I mean, he's like just been consistently good for so long. He's got that, he's got that brown length prime. So I I definitely got to give it to him. I mean, on on the women's side, I feel like it's a, it's a very clear, uh, clear Serena in all seriousness, but so. Moving on from that question, because none of us are tennis experts here. Uh, something we do pay a little bit more attention to is called football. And this question came from Aaron Hernandez. He wants mm-hmm. to know if this is a make or yeah. what, what did he say? He his what? Yeah, what? Uh, I do have a buddy named Aaron Hernandez. And yes, he uh, he did not play in the NFL. Uh, if you guys ever saw the viral, uh, what's your favorite pro team? 
clip where he says steak instead of naming a protein. He thought the chick said protein. That is him. Uh, anyway, he wants to, he wants to know if this is a make or break year for Chip Kelly. Well, first of all, I just want to say that's a killer question, Aaron. Um, yes, I do. I do. In all seriousness, I do. Chip Kelly, time's a ticking, buddy. Got to put that together down in Pasadena. Um, so, yeah, simple answer, yes. Carter, my fellow UCLA guy. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, I like UCLA squad, but, like, the thing is, I feel like UCLA's never, like, can put it together. I think that I don't know what Chip Kelly's going to do and change. Like, I don't know what he's going to change next year. I mean, I don't know. I think that at the end of the day, like, Chip Kelly's a, a seasoned coach. Um, but the Pac-12 and UCLA, I feel like, just might not be, like, his program. I feel like he's kind of lost a lot of respect over the years. And, like, not people don't want to play for him as much. I mean, the style that they run, too, like, the – play style like like dtr like so much play. different than when he did at oregon which makes no yeah. sense he had so much yeah. success there no exactly so i mean if he goes back to which i could see him being successful but they also got playing other players so do i think it's a make or break year i mean i feel like it's gonna be hard if he has a bad year for him to keep his job but i feel like it's getting to the point where i feel like people don't see ucla as like a football school like it's not going too high yeah, I don't know. I think it's like, this, compared to a school like Oregon or USC, it's like they've kind of fallen off a little bit. And like, clearly you will always have your surprises. But I mean, even a school like Stanford who's, has kind of had a fall from grace a little bit. So I think that UCLA, like, do I think, it, I'll say yes, I'll agree and say it's a make or break season for him just because I feel like he's so under fire. But I don't know. I feel like people, UCLA is kind of like, People don't really talk about UCLA preseason because just like not as a, it's like talking about a school like, I don't know, what's a good example? Like SC in basketball. There's just no reason to. Yeah, I mean they were actually pretty good. Yeah, funny guy. You get the you get the point though. Like it's like that. I, kind I, of. I get what you're saying. I'm actually gonna be on the contrary. I think uh, this is 100% a make or break year because this is the deepest a UCLA team has been in a long time, and 100% the deepest it's been under Chip Kelly's tenure. Um. They have a senior quarterback in DTR who I think could be the best quarterback in the conference this year if he limits his turnovers. They have a deep running back for their defense is basically all returning minus uh, one D lineman. So I think not. this isn't only a make or break year for Chip Kelly. It's a make or break year for the whole organization or for the whole program. Um, I think, like we were saying, their expectation shouldn't be too high, you know, but We'll see. I'm predicting a good six, six, seven win season for them, and I think that'll be enough for Chip Kelly to keep his job. I think anything under five will, uh, he might get the cane. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, honestly, I feel like a win over USC or Oregon would keep his job. Like, just. I mean, keep... not one win though. You can't just. I mean, like, here's the thing. I don't. I don't think if he wins one game, he's gonna keep his job. And that one game just happens to be one of the best teams. But like, I think that. Even if he wins five or six games, like, I think that if he beats USC or Oregon within those, like, I think he'll earn a little bit more respect. So Yeah. It's going to be interesting. New transfer there, too. Ethan Garbers, who shredded up PV uh, when we were seniors. <laughs> I'm excited to see him uh, take the reins once Storian's done, if he is the one to do that. Moving on to our last question from Instagram. Uh, Fernando Tatis has been – owning the Dodgers, and Scott Rapicelli from Instagram decided to bring that up. 
can't deny it. Four home runs in the last two games. And, uh, you know, I love seeing him about go back and forth on Twitter as we record this, calling him his Nino. And um, posted, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Tati's posted a photo of uh, Bauer as a baby and him holding him. So, you know, nice little friendly rivalry going down uh, uh, in SoCal this weekend. And I just want to remind everybody that Tatis also leads the league in errors and is still batting under 210. So uh, don't get don't get too excited, Padres fans or people yeah. like the Dodgers. But uh, I hope you I, guys enjoy the banter. Yeah, no, I definitely do. And at the end of the day, like, I will say, like, the Padres are kind of a garbage cannon organization, and Fernando Tatis is just the very expensive garbage bag to go along with it. Oh, I like uh, it. I like it. I mean, he's a great player. I will definitely not admit that. One of the best young players in the league, without a doubt. But, I mean, you could talk all you want, but whenever you point to the scoreboard, you point to that, that standing, like the record. I mean, I don't know. Baseball is a sport where it's hard to have – for individual success, like he's a great player, but he can't carry the whole team, even though he's playing bad defensively. But like I mean Padres Padres Twitter has been talking a lot of shit for being third in the division. But hey, you know, that's none of my business. Kind of like I'm trying to talk I shit. I can't really remember the last time the Padres like it's like I can't remember anybody got excited to like watch well, a game, hey, watch we the, play the Padres. We have so. as many World Series rings as their whole organization, so yeah. Uh, moving on from that, though, we're done with our Instagram inquiries. Unless, Frankie, you got anything for that? All right, we're moving on from that. Hot takes time. You know we have the hottest takes. Let's hear them. Who wants to lead off? I can lead off for today. Do it, Frank. Um, switching it over to the world of the National Basketball Association. Okay, okay. Back-to-back weeks. A little hot take. I've had enough. Of the Westbrook slander. Ooh, I have too. I mean, come on. This man is averaging 22, 11, and 11 right now. He's pushing his team close to playoff contention. So I'm going to say right now, Russell Westbrook is the most underrated player in the NBA. Like I mean, besides, besides Bradley Beal, he's got a bunch of nobodies on his team. He's playing with the JV squad. So... I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook, most underrated player in the NBA. I like it. Carter, we'll pass it to you. Hot take of the week. I mean, this shouldn't even be seen as a hot take, in my opinion. And um, I, I don't – no, I think, in my opinion, the only thing that stops this happening is the media. But I got in the National Football League, back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers. Oh, discount double-check. Yeah, I mean – yeah, let him know. I mean, like, another hot take just to go along with it, like, with the exception of the rings argument for Brady, like, statistically speaking, like, he's not been the most clutch in some situations. Like, Brady has that winning that winning gene, but, like, stats-wise, like, you cannot argue that his stats are up there with the greatest of all time. Like, just stats alone. So, I mean, he's still a bad man, even in his ripe old age of, like, 35 or 36 now. Um but, I mean, imagine going back-to-back MVPs, and maybe he's the side host, like a little host of Jeopardy action here and there. So I love I mean, seeing him on there. So, I mean, that's my hot take. Back-to-back MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I like it. I like it. And uh, I'm, not the, I'm not the soccer football guy, but I'm actually going to have a take with that. Um, young player of the year in the Premier League this year. Give it to my man, Mason Mount. I slandered Mount so hard through the first half of this Premier League season. 
but he has been one of the most valuable players to Chelsea. And I know we're gonna, I know you guys are going to say, Foden? Bill Foden? No? I think that the only reason I would say Mount is he is more valuable and has won more games for Chelsea than Foden has won for City. Even though, I mean, don't not discredit Foden in any way. Phenomenal young baller as well. But I think Mount is a very key piece of that Chelsea team. And for that reason, I think he is my young player of the year. And I thank you guys for listening to episode five. Uh, Be sure to share with your friends. Be sure to follow us on all our social medias. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Sounds good. Peace, guys.